Hi, it's Pastor Iron, the lead pastor of Christ Nations Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I pray that something is said to build your faith, starve your doubts, and empower you to live in victory. Now let's go into the message. I have the King James Version of the Bible, so I'm going to read it from the King James. I believe King James is what's on the screen, but I want you to hear this by the Spirit of the living God. It says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow, or as a, a wick, on a candle wick. They're put out. Verse 18. Oh, here we go. Remember ye not the former things, hallelujah, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers, everybody say rivers, glory to God, rivers in the desert. For the sake of a subject, we were talking about faith this month. Faith for the future. Faith for the future. Notice here the prophet Isaiah says, the Lord says, He which maketh a way, verse 16, in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse and the army and power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. This is a prophetic description or, or a prophetic utterance from the prophet Isaiah talking about the children of Israel being delivered from Egyptian bondage. And so here the prophet is saying that he brought them out of Egypt with a strong and mighty hand. He parted the waters. He brought forth the chariot, the horse, the army, the power, the great power that Egypt was, the Egyptian kingdom, He brought them to the Red Sea, and he said, they shall lie down, they shall not rise, they shall be extinct, they shall be quenched as toe. So he's talking about how God delivered them in the drowning of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing testimony. That if you were the children of Israel that day, when you were brought out of Egyptian bondage, and you were walking through the wilderness, and you came to the Red Sea, and you saw God part the Red Sea, congeal the sea up as walls, right? And you, as the children of Israel, walked across on dry ground. Woo-wee. You talk about a testimony. You talk about something that, I mean, you could go build a monument, 
and a memorial called the Red Sea Egyptian Army Drowning Memorial where God drowned the whole of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. That's something to think about. That's something to hold on to. That's something to remember. And yet, the prophet Isaiah says prophetically, after he says what he says about that great and mighty miracle, forget it. <laughs> I know it's strange for years. Remember not the things of old. Remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. The things that he did that were good even. The parting of the Red Sea, the deliverance of Israel. He says, forget it because God is about to do something new. <laughs> that God is about to perform something that he has not done before. And he says, shall you not know it? Shall you not perceive it or see it? In other words, to understand this within context, after he says, behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? He's saying to you, will you miss it because you're preoccupied with what I have done? Will you miss the way I'm about to move in your life because you are preoccupied with what he's done before? Shall you not know it? One of the great hiccups for us, throw myself in there. I've learned better by God's grace. But one of the great hiccups for us as believers is we want God to move the way he used to move. <laughs> we want God to move in our lives in the way we are comfortable. Don't we? We want God to do it like you did it. And if you do it like you did it, it allows me to stay comfortable. Because if you do it in a way that pulls me out of my comfort zone, then I'm not going to like that. In essence, thank you, Lord. We ask God to reheat yesterday's manna. For... A good portion of us, as children of God, once again, I'll throw myself in there, not to, because I don't want to come across condescending at all. We are a leftovers people. 
I mean, God want to fix you filet mignon, but you're like, oh, could, you, could you warm up what you did yesterday? We want him to reheat yesterday's manna. And you remember what happened when they tried to gather the manna more than their day's supply. It molded. Right? They, wanted to, they, they, were attempting, <laughs> they were attempting to gather up all the manna. God rains down this manna today, and they get all of the manna, and they start. They say, we're going to store this up. Man, we just keep this. We won't have to come back out here no more. We won't have to do this anymore. If we just get enough, stockpile it, we can sit in our tents and eat manna for the next week. But the Bible says we should pray, give us this day our daily bread, right? And make, making no provision for our flesh by trying to get God to do things the way we want him to do them. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 14. I love this, I love this verse of scripture because it was what we were singing. Exodus 14. This is a powerful text, man. This is powerful. Exodus chapter 14, this is Moses at the Red Sea. We just heard Isaiah prophetically talking about it. But now we're going to see the actual historical account of it in Exodus chapter 14. And verse number, uh, let's look at, uh, ooh, let's start here. Let's start with verse 13. Exodus 14, 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. See, they had come to the, the, to the Red Sea, and so the people were scared. They were afraid. They were mad. They wanted to go back. They didn't know what to do because they were like, look, you brought us out in this desert to die. And, and they said, didn't we tell you that, Moses? Didn't we tell you that if you brought us out here, you should have just left us in Egypt to serve the Egyptians? Why did you bring us out here now in front of the Red Sea? Where are we going to go? The army's coming behind us, Red Sea in front of us. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. (laughs) When God does a work, he does it forever. My God. Verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Oh, you shout now, but this is not even the shouting verse. This is not it. This is the, this is the, this is the appetizer. We, we haven't even sunk our teeth into the main meal here. He says, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto Moses, why are you crying unto me? Wow. That's a strange response. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go So all of this eloquent dissertation and proclamation by Moses where he says, oh, fear not, stand still. You shall see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to fight for you. And the army, you'll see him today no more. And all of this stuff. And God is saying to him, hush. (laughs) 
Why are you crying to me? So evidently Moses was making a great statement. He was making a great proclamation, but God saw it as him crying to him. He said, why are you talking to me? Talk to Israel. Tell Israel to go. Get moving. Go. Forward. There's a red sea in front of us. Go forward. But there is a, there is a C, S-E-A, in front of us. Go forward. But I'm in debt, Pastor. Go Forward. I don't have a job and I'm unemployed. Go. But my husband left me. Go. But my children are acted up. Go. Forward. I see forward. It means something to you now, but it's much richer. The word forward in the Hebrew language is the Hebrew word. It's spelled N-A-C-A. You would think it says naka, but it's nasa or nase. It means pull up your tent pins. Oh, man. Pull up your tent stakes. Forward means pick up your tent, literally. So what does that tell me about what God is saying, not only to the children of Israel, but prophetically to me, his child? He's saying to me, Pick up the tent of your comfort. (laughs) You've gotten too comfortable here. Go forward. Notice this in this particular story. That even though Moses is making a great proclamation, great entreaty to the Father God, Notice, through God's response, we see something. We see that prayer is no substitute for when you should be moving. There's time to pray. Then there's time for you to move. And if it's time for you to move or act then you can't pray. Well, you can, but it ain't God's will. He wants you to move. So when God wants you to move, you can't substitute prayer. Well, I'm going to pray about it. We're talking about faith for your future, right? Well, I'm going to pray about it, Father. I'm going to pray about it. Let me just pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. We pray about it, and we pray about it, and we pray about it, and we keep praying about it, and we pray about it, and we pray about it. And God is saying, (laughs) stop praying. The God of heaven and earth, I hear you. She's preaching with me. The God of heaven and earth is saying you're praying, but it's time to move. It's time to act. Why don't we act? Because oftentimes, we want God 
How can I say this? We, sometimes our prayers don't work in our lives. We don't get answers to prayer because we're asking God to move in a way that is inconsistent with your present development. Okay. My baby girl, let me give you a practical example. She's five. Have you ever seen her around here lately? She got some new hair. And she's, she's, she's grown. I'm telling you, she's, she's, she's grown. And she's a big five. She's tall. And so we went to a theme park a few years back when she was three. We got her a stroller. Put her in the stroller, three-year-old, big theme park. It's Disney World. You, you, you don't even bother trying to carry your baby at Disney World at three. You just, just stroll them through. <laughs> Get the stroller and roll on through, right? So we put her in the stroller. We rolled her through, through, through all the attractions. We let her sit there, and she just enjoyed it and everything else. So this past summer, now she's five. She's a big girl. She's jumping off beds. She's jumping over couches. She's climbing stuff. She's, she's gotten stronger, right? So this time, we go to a little smaller theme park, but a theme park nonetheless for this summer, so we go to Fiesta, Texas in San Antonio. So now my little girl, bigger, stronger, <laughs> faster, <laughs> all of those things, she comes up to you and goes, that's her thing. She'll, she'll, she'll reach up at you like, you know, Daddy, come pick me up. Now ask me whether or not I picked her up. I did, I did, I did. Uh, I just got to, I mean, don't fault me for being a good dad, okay? No, but no, I pick her up, but I don't, I don't, I don't walk her around the theme park. I pick her up and held her, said, no, baby. That's not how this is going to go this time. I picked you up to affirm you and let you know that I love you. I picked you up so that you would know that I am for you, always with you, never leave you, nor forsake you. But daddy's not going to walk you around this theme park now because you are developed. You can walk by yourself. So you cannot ask me to carry you this time. Both theme parks, same person, Two different stages of development, so two different responses from a loving father. <laughs> you get me? You get me? So sometimes we're going to father God at a very ripe age spiritually doing this. And father God is like, okay, little boo-boo. I love you, you're mine, and I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I affirm you, he blesses you with his presence, but he says, I'm not picking you up that way this time. Behold, I do a new thing. You're going to actually walk. I'll hold your hand, but I'm not picking you up. And our prayer lives are hindered because we ask God to move in a manner that is inconsistent with where we are. The Spirit of God spoke this to my heart 
for you specifically. He said where, it, where healing is concerned. A lot of people can't walk in health and healing because they keep asking God to perform a miracle. While they ignore the practical wisdom he's offering them to live in health. So you want to eat a whole package of ding-dongs and Twinkies and not have any problem with your blood sugar in the name of Jesus. Right? Right. Right. So you want, you want to do these things that are inconsistent with where you are, and the Father knows it. And so we come to prayer lines, and, and they become fruitless. You, and people say, well, you know, I used to be able to go to church, and I'd come up to the altar and get prayer, get hands laid on me, and God would move and all that. It just seems like all the power is going out of the church. You don't see that no more. You don't see that anymore. I don't know. Pastor used to have it. <laughs> he used to be anointed. I mean, man, they could lay hands on me and Pastor used to. And it seemed like he ain't got it no more. Somewhere along the way, he lost the anointing. He used to be more anointed than he is now because I used to get really blessed. And even in the preaching of the word, I used to get real bad. I mean, Pastor used to be so anointed when he preached and taught that word. But now it's just, you know, it's just all right. I'm looking actually for another church. And perhaps the pastor hadn't lost anything. Perhaps the church has not lost any power. Perhaps you have developed under hearing the word to a place. You should not be needing that anymore. And you're finding it hard to find your equilibrium now because you want to go back to the bottle. And the bottle, God is, I mean, you come to my house, there are no bottles in my house. There used to be because the father stocks the house relevant to the children's need. But when they grow past that stage, he gets rid of all the things he used at that stage for you. So when my kids need to eat, I don't go reach a bottle and you don't see me shaking and putting on my wrist anymore and doing all the, no, no, no. And there are no more pumps in our house. <laughs> Did you lift your hands, sweetheart? <laughs> I saw out of the corner of my eye. Amen. No, no, no. Because now as parents, we don't provide now for that anymore. It's a different stage of development. Now, instead of bottles, there is a dry erase board with letters and numbers and ABCs and one, two, threes and addition. And why? It's time to grow. New thing. A new thing. Psalms 106, verse 25. This is also recorded in Deuteronomy 127. Here's one of the dangers of staying in your tent too long, in your comfort zone, and never moving with God. This is David. This is David. Somebody's blessed already. Here's David. Here's the psalmist, I should say, talking about the children of Israel and their dilemma. He says, 
but they, and it's kind of picking it up in the middle, but you understand what they're talking about. He says, but murmured in their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. So when God was speaking to them, the scripture says they murmured in their tents. You'll find it also in Deuteronomy, I believe it is chapter, chapter 1, verse 27, where it talks about how they murmured in their tents. They murmured in their tent. Remember I told you tent, uh, tent really stands for comfort, your comfort zone, where you want to stay. And that's why when God tells them, move forward, he's saying, pick up your tent. Pick up that tent. Let's get out of this comfort. Let's move forward with what I'm telling you to do. Let's, let's continually be moving forward and growing, headed toward the future. So here, the scripture says, and, and they murmured in their tents. This is, this is Deuteronomy 127. And ye murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So they were sitting there complaining because that's what happens in your tent. You murmur. You complain. You make up excuses. Whenever you find yourself fretful, touchy, moody, complaining, pessimistic, petty, bitter, you've been in your tent too long. you got to get out of your tent. You've got to go forward. You've got to get into the process of growing in the things of God, moving forward. <laughs> Throughout the scripture, you will find this consistent theme, and I'm going to show it to you. And it is the power to forget because, see, this is one of the things that keeps us in our tent. This is one of the things that keeps us in our comfort zone is because we, and I said this on Wednesday night, we have a love affair with the past. We do, man. We have a romantic, emotional stronghold with the past in so many areas of our lives. How I used to do, what I used to be, what I used to have how God used to do this. And we're always so caught up in what he used to do, we don't know what he wills to do because we're preoccupied with the past. Now, why is this important to your faith? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and 1. Being overly preoccupied with the past and with yesterday hinders your faith for this very reason. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We know the rest of the verse, but I want to use just that first part of the verse to draw out a very important principle when it comes to faith and its relationship to the past. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, then I have to have hope before I can have faith faith because faith is only the substance of my hope right so no hope no faith and this is a real problem for people because when you hold on to the past you can't have hope because hope is a futuristic term hope is forward Hope is tomorrow. Hope is ahead of you. Hope is in front of you. Hope is never in your past. 
So if I'm concerned about my past, I'll never have hope. And if I can never develop hope, I can have no faith because faith is the substance of my hope. So people preoccupied with the past over so many different things will struggle with faith. They'll struggle to believe. Because their life is all wound up in what used to be. Who I used to be, what I used to do. So much so, so much so that we, we never even open up ourselves to the opportunity that God may want to use us to do something completely different than what you've done. And we wonder, we wander around. The children of Israel wandered in the desert because they were preoccupied with the past. <laughs> you got to think about it. They didn't even know God. They knew of him, but they didn't know. God sends this man named Moses, and he comes in talking about who they are and the, the strong deliverer, and he's going to bring them out of Egyptian bondage. And they didn't know what it was like to be free to actually walk with God. That's why God had to give them Ten Commandments, because they had to get orientated to who their father, their God was, the God of Israel. They were not orientated to that. They were orientated to Pharaoh in bondage. That's all they knew. And they spent their entire time, that entire journey, thinking about the past. And, oh, we had something to eat in Egypt. Oh, we at least had some place to sleep in Egypt. Oh, you brought us out here in the wilderness and all the Amorites and all the Hittites and all these other sites <laughs> and all this other stuff. They were so afraid. They wanted to go back. They were preoccupied with the past, and so they could not enter into the promise. And so God says to them, Get out of your tent. Pick up your tent pins. Let's go forward. Now, let's look at this theme in Scripture. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. We started off, <laughs> we started off in Isaiah talking about forgetting the things that are past. Now, let's go to Philippians 3 in the New Testament. And let, me, let me show you the Apostle Paul. Philippians 3, let's begin. Man, I could read the whole chapter of Philippians 3, but I'm not going to do that to you. Let's start with verse number, um, ooh. Start with verse number. Hmm. It's so good. You got time. Let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let's start with verse one. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, if another man thinks he's got something he could boast about in his flesh, I've, I've got even greater uh, to boast about. That's pretty, that's pretty arrogant. Verse 5, he says, he's, he's really not being that way, but that's what he, he's setting this up. He says, circumcise the eighth day. He's about to list his pedigree. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. That means I had high rank. 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Did that perfect. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now look at that child of God. He does not say what things were detrimental or what things were bad. He says the things that brought me gain. The things that made me who I was. The things that gave me clout and position and rank. He said, those things I counted loss. Verse number eight, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. I don't have to tell you what that is. You know what that is. That I may win Christ. Now, is this man looking forward or backward? This man is looking forward. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of my part of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. He says, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth or forward unto those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded. And if anything, you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He's saying, if you're going to be perfect or mature, you're going to have to have this mind. Forgetting the things that are behind and pressing toward what the Father has set before. Man, if we could ever stop trying to twist God's arm into doing what he did and embrace his direction now, Oh. oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is it. This is it for you. This is it for me. This is what God is bringing us to. He's trying to bring his church to the place to where we follow him into the new. Now, new doesn't mean he's going to do something that nobody's ever seen and we don't have any point of reference for. We're not talking about doing new for the sake of new. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about some people. Some people say, oh, yeah, let's go into the new because they don't want to be accountable to anything. They, they want to make up what the new is. No, God's going to prescribe what it is. But when he speaks to us, we've got to be willing to move forward with him. And as long as it doesn't violate his word, we got to go. <laughs> we got to move. You know how many people were stuck, God bless their hearts, but ministries that got blindsided when COVID-19 happened in 2020? Because they had, no, they had not embraced any form of ministry outside of the traditional way they had done it for years. 
they refuse to. Well, bless God, God's done it this way, and he's been faithful to us thus far. And bless God, this is how we're going to do it. COVID-19, 19, 19, 18, 20, 25, 30, doesn't matter to me. I'm going to do it this way. Praise God. And then here it comes, and they lose half the attention of their congregation because they can't reach them. They can't touch them. They can't be a voice into their lives. They can't speak comfort into them during a real trying time. They can't be there. Why? Because they were stuck. They were stuck. <laughs> Wasn't willing to move. Wasn't it, wasn't it, um, wasn't it Kodak? Yeah, wasn't it Kodak that in the 1970s, remember Kodak film and cameras and all that? When I was a kid, you know, you see all of these young people with all this digital capacity, they don't know anything about taking a picture, cooking. <laughs> Sing. And the film come out. Yeah, they don't remember this. They don't remember that, do they? They don't know nothing about that. Look at all of the young people. Look at them. Look at them. They don't know anything about that. We used to take that Polaroid and shake that thing. See, I told you, I'm old and new school. I'm a mix. I've been there. I'm, I'm old enough to remember some of these things. And you shake that thing. Well, I think it was Kodak. And you may have to fact check me on this one. But early on in the 70s, their engineers had the ground floor knowledge of the first digital camera. And they didn't do anything with it because they thought that that would never come to be. They put all their stock in their own business model with the film and the, all of that, and they stayed with it. Now, when you go to your store, do you see Kodak? See, one of the misconceptions we have, even in the kingdom about God, is that he is obligated to update us when we don't follow. That he's obligated to keep me on the shelf even though I'm disobedient. They see that he's obligated to make me relevant even though I have not followed and listened to his guidance. Just because I'm in the work of the Lord. No, child of God, you have to follow him. I will follow him. Follow him where he makes. That ain't what she was singing about, but I sanctified it. <laughs> One last scripture. Forgetting, you have to be willing to move. Go to Genesis 41. Go to Genesis 41, 51. Last verse. Praise the Lord. Faith for the future. Faith for the future. Faith for the future. Move. Somebody say move forward. Move forward. Stop trying to get God to go back and reheat that manna. <laughs> He's got fresh manna. Genesis 41, 51 records a moment in Joseph's life where he dis, does something that is tremendously profound. Joseph's story is one of being betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, lied on by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. <laughs> I mean, my God, he's had 
more drama than you can imagine. It's one thing to be betrayed by somebody, a stranger, but to be betrayed by your own family, then to be lied on and thrown in prison. And yet Joseph stayed faithful to God's call on his life. He stayed faithful to the gifts on it in his life. He was interpreting dreams while he was yet in prison. The only way you still use your gift while in prison is if you are not in self-pity. Because if you're, he was like most of us, the moment we got tossed in prison, we would have tossed all them gifts and talents and all that stuff out of the window. We're like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything for anybody else anymore. I'm going to be all about me, and I'm going to throw a pity party, and I'm going to sulk about me. But Joseph never did that. This is why he had so much buoyancy in his life. You know what buoyancy is? It's like a cork that won't sink. It's a boat, and the reason why the boat floats on the top of the water, you see, because Joseph was buoyant because he would never let offense get into him, right? So no matter what they did, he would stay positive. He would stay consistent. And he does something after he's brought out of prison, after he's been restored. He's now the prime minister of, of Egypt, so to speak. He's over a massive portion of the nation. He is elevated to a position of power. He's now gotten married, got a wife. And the Bible says in verse 51 of, chapter of Genesis 41, And Joseph, when he had his first child, called the name of the firstborn Manasseh which means causing to forget. For God said, for, for God said he, hath made me forget all my toil and my father's house. So here's a man with a testimony, and if anybody's got the right to complain, it's Joseph. And when Joseph has his first child, he said, God been so good to me, He's made me forget everything they did to me. He forgot it. He could put it behind him. He could be a blessing to his brothers and his father. Put it all behind him. Wouldn't keep it, wouldn't hold on to it. Now you see why he was what he was. He knew that God is a forward God. Child of God, everything God has for you is in front of you. It is not behind you. It's not what he did. It is not what he's, he's, it's not anything that he's done in your past. It's all what's in front of you. And you're going to have to cultivate faith for the future. Amen? That's it. Now, right where you're sitting, the Spirit of God has ministered to us so amazingly this morning. So I want you to just remain seated. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry. And engage with us on all our social media platforms, on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, one word from God can change your life forever.